I'm going to start off by telling you about two cars or two vehicles this morning. I need a picture. My first picture. Okay. See that beauty? That is my 2003 Toyota Tundra. It's an awesome truck. I've had all kinds of deer in the back of it and haul stuff and go to, the, go to throw garbage away in it. It's awesome. Here's the deal with my 2003 Toyota Tundra. Um, it has been around for, what, 17, 16 years. 16 years. Um, some, it's older. Logan, how old are you? It's older than you by three years. It has almost 200,000 miles on it. You can't tell it, but the pinch welds, very unusual for the Tundras. Most of them are totally rusted out by now. But the pinch welds in the bottom are all rusting out in the back. I just had to screw hasps on the back to make the doors of the cab stay shut. And the tailgate doesn't work right. Um, so you've got to pull and pull and pull and pull to try to get the tailgate to open. No one else can open the tailgate because you have to have the magic touch. You know, and so the tailgate doesn't work. Uh, 200, just about 200,000 miles on it. And um, here's the deal. I love my Toyota Tundra. You know, I love my... Matter of fact, a pastor, I was at a pastor's uh, meeting a while back. I pulled up, another guy was there. And um, he said, are you still driving that old truck? He said, I'm going to drive that. I hope I can drive that truck at least five more years. Because eventually the rust is going to come through and it's going to fall apart. And it's gonna happen. But I love my truck. Do you know why I love my truck? Because it's dependable. I love my truck because it always starts. It's never not started. Matter of fact, my dad bought that truck brand new when he retired, and I bought the truck from my dad. And so I've had it five or six years now. So I know from the owner, the first owner and me, it has never broke down one time. There's been nothing fixed on that truck other than brakes, which are just, they go out. It's like using gas. Brakes and tires in 200,000 miles. It's never broke down. It's never been the repair shop. And it breaks and tires. Change the oil, put gas in it, and drive it. Through the woods, through the ditches, through the mud, all kinds of stuff. Drive it. It always starts and runs. My Tundra is totally dependable and stable. Okay? Let me see the next picture. You know what that is? You like that? Anybody know what that is? What is it? An AMC Javelin when I was a kid. Didn't look exactly like this, but almost like this. We had an AMC Javelin. Does that make sense? I asked my dad one day, I said, why in the world would they had hit a pickup truck and an AMC Javelin and we had three kids? I'm like, it's got two doors. And the pickup truck was not, they didn't have extended cab pickups, I don't think. It was a regular pickup. So when we drove up north, a little sidebar, we used to have a cab in central Wisconsin. We drove up north. You know where me and my brother drove? In the bed of the pickup truck with no cap on all the time. In winter, we wore snowsuits. As God has a witness, the cabin was two hours away. We wore snowsuits. We sat in the back of our pickup truck and drove back and forth to Wapaka. Because we had that in a javelin. So we had an AMC javelin. Now, um, it's a pretty nice looking car, isn't it? Looks kind of cool. A lot of people collect these cars today. They put big motors in. Ours didn't have a big motor. Ours had a, a six-cylinder in it. It was the you know, grocery getter version of the AMC Javelin. Would you like to have that car? My family hated the Javelin. We despised the Javelin. Do you know why? It was totally un 
dependable. Often we'd be driving to Javelin, grew up in Cedarburg, driving through Cedarburg with our nice-looking six-cylinder grocery-getting Javelin, three kids piled in the back seat, and it would just stop running. It would just die. You come up to a stop sign, God is my witness. It would just stop, and it wouldn't restart. You could not get it restarted. We took it to every mechanic. My dad took it to every mechanic in, on, in the area, and they're all like, there's nothing wrong with your car. They're like, well, <laughs> it won't start. Once it starts driving and it runs and it stops, you can't start. You had to let it cool down, and then it would start again. So that would mean you're walking when your javelin is sitting at the stop sign. So we hated our javelin. So eventually, my dad took it down to a dealership and traded it in and bought a different car. Now, my goal today is not to try to get you to buy Toyotas over javelins or any other particular car or get a four-door instead of a two-door or anything else. Rather, I think the examples of these two vehicles can help us understand what the Apostle Paul is going to be getting at today when he focuses on the particular fruit of the Spirit that we're going to look at today. So trust me, we're going somewhere with the vehicles, all right? So put up on the the board our verse. We're eight weeks or seven weeks into this thing now. We ought to know this pretty good by now. Galatians 5, 22 and 23 says this. Read it with me. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, Against such thing, there is no law. Today, we come to faithfulness in the list of the nine character qualities that the Apostle Paul is saying this. We've learned this over these seven weeks now. These are qualities that can grow in us and develop in us. That meaning they're, they're this big right now, but they can get bigger, meaning more influential in your life, defining who you are more than they were yesterday. If we will partner with the Holy Spirit, that's why they're fruit of the Spirit, we'll partner with the Holy Spirit in, in, in the process of development that he has for us. That's why you come to Wednesday night classes. Those are, those are classes designed to help you grow. Um, and if you do this spiritual formation, what happens is spirit is formed. That's why we use the word spiritual formation. It's formed or it matures inside of you as you partner with the Holy Spirit. Well, one of the character qualities that God wants to see grow in our area, in our lives, is this idea of faithfulness. That he can help us become more like a tundra than a javelin. That's what you want, right? You'd rather be defined as a tundra than a javelin. You see, you say, what's it got to do with faithfulness? Because faithfulness, you might just mean it means full of faith. It's not really what it means in this setting. Um, Meaning, I have trust in God. That's not what Paul's saying here at all. That's not the definition that faithfulness in the list, because that is used in Scripture other places, but that's not the way it's used here. Faithfulness here, in the list of the character qualities of the fruit of the Spirit, is a character quality of dependability, loyalty, and stability over a long period of time. That's what Paul's saying. He says, you can be this kind of a person. A person of dependability, loyalty, and stability over a long period of time. And you're going to see as we go forward, it's really what Christian, it's a, it's, a, it's a bedrock of real Christianity. You see, my tundra has been faithful to me. Why? It's been dependable. Now, Suzanne would laugh. I say it's been loyal. She'd say, I'm pretty sure it doesn't have anything to do with any say so in the process. You know, you put gas in it, you put oil in it. But I'm like, my tundra has been loyal to me. 
and stretching it a bit. But it's stable over a long period of time. But the javelin proved to be unfaithful. It was disloyal to our family, even though it might not have tried to, but I think it had it in for us. And it was unstable because it only broke down in bad times when it was inconvenient. So I think it was just being disloyal. Now, beyond or unlike a vehicle that really has no part to play in it. It only is manufactured and it does as it's taken care of and manufactured. Unlike a vehicle, faithfulness is about how we interact with each other. It's a two-way street. Faithfulness is about relationship. I want to explain that. Faithfulness is about relationships built upon dependability, loyalty, and stability over a long period of time. And I would say this, faithfulness is an essential element for any healthy relationship. So you can have healthy relationships and you can have unhealthy relationships. God wants us to have healthy, mutually beneficial relationships. And I, my contention today is that faithfulness is an essential element for healthy, mutually beneficial relationships. See, two people can never have a healthy relationship if there is not this mutual faithfulness. There's not dependability and loyalty and stability over a long period of time. Think about it. Have you ever been in a relationship, which would be a poor relationship, with a person who is continually undependable or disloyal or unstable? Think of your relationships over the, over the years of your life. Have you been in a relationship with a person who's undependable? They say they're going to do it, they don't do it. They're disloyal. They they're, say they're committed to you, but they're really not. They actually have loyalties, selfish loyalties or loyalties somewhere else. Or they're unstable. You just can't, one day they're here, one day they're next. You may be able to have some type of a surface relationship with that person, but you will never be able to have a healthy, mutually beneficial relationship because faithfulness is needed to form the solid foundation of all relationships. In order to be in a healthy relationship with someone, both parties need to be committed to each other. That commitment is what faithfulness is all about. It's about being there for the other person, about about being dependable and loyal over a long period of time. This is why, if when you got married, if you had standard wedding vows... And if I did your wedding, and you're in here, and a number of you, I did your wedding in here. Do you know what the very last line of your wedding vows, and standard wedding vows, and if I did your wedding, what the very last words you said to each other was? I'll tell you. Therefore, I pledge thee my faithfulness. The very last line of traditional wedding vows is a pledge of faithfulness to one another. About saying, listen, I will be there for the long haul I will be stable and loyal and dependable for the long haul. It's a pledge. It's saying, that's what I know it takes for a marriage to be what God intends for a marriage to be. See, relationships can only work when there is a commitment to being faithful to one another. Now, Paul could have chosen anything in his nine list of nine character qualities in the fruit of the Spirit. Why do we think of all the things he could have picked, Paul would have said of nine things, this one, faithfulness is one of the most important character qualities that needs to grow and mature in Christian people. 
And I think the answer is this, and maybe it's when you when I think about it this way, but this is why. Because Christianity is really simply about relationship. We miss it, we forget that sometimes. Christianity is just about relationship. You know what Christianity isn't primarily? About knowing religious facts. All religions have facts that they know. Christianity is different. Christianity, so, so Christianity isn't saying Jesus is God, Jesus died on the cross, Jesus rose from the dead, Jesus wants to be your Savior. Are those all true? Yes. But all religions have, have um, facts. Christianity is so much more. Christianity is primarily about relationship. Totally different than anything else. Muslims don't believe in a, in a, in a real relationship with, with Allah. They would think it's impossible. You can't do that. But Christianity is different. Christianity is primarily about relationship. Christianity is about you and me being in a vibrant, living, right relationship with God. Matter of fact, I think it's in, in, in Romans 3 in a New Living Book translation of the Bible. I love how it says it's a little different than the NAS that I usually read. It actually says this. And this is how you can get in a right relationship with God. You can be in a right relationship with God. And it's through Jesus. And all those facts about Christianity are true. They inform the relationship. They show us how to have a relationship. So Christianity is about us being in a relationship with God. And then extending that relationship to other people. I want you to think about something. In Scripture, God is primarily not related to us as judicious. But that's how a lot of times we think about God. In the current maybe couple hundred years, we think about the most thing about God is that God somehow's his number one concern has been about um, forgiving sin. That's really not the main message of Scripture. It's important, but it's not the main message. The main message communicated about God in Scripture is that God is about relationship. Because it describes something about God, the word's not used, but it describes something about God that is the foundation of Christianity. It says, God is Trinity. Matter of fact, the creeds, what do the creeds go over and over to make the point of God is Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And sometimes we don't, we, I think our current last couple hundred years has minimized that and has elevated the judicious side. So we see God as an angry God who's judging people, trying to get them you know, to have their sins just forgiven. Well, that's true. But the way God reveals himself from the very first words of Scripture is what? Us. Let us make man in our image. God is Trinity. God is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Trinity is an eternal relationship. That's the essence of God. God is relationship. That's why, that's why we understand that, that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are all eternal. They're one. We can't get our heads around it. I can't explain it to you. How does it make sense for three and they're one? I don't know, but it is because the Bible says so. So God is Trinity. God, the, the ultimate description of God is relationship. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit living in perfect, loving, unified relationship. Always have, always will. That's why theology that says like God created Jesus um, 
it's just not biblical. It's not true. Because God the Son, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit are eternally in relationship. Um, they, they've always been eternally in relationship. They always will eternally be in relationship. Christianity, if you get this, it'll change your views. Christianity is an invitation to be included into the eternal relationship between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That's what Christianity is. It's about entering into the love relationship between the members of the Trinity. If you don't believe me, go and read end of John's Gospel from 14 to 17. That's all he's talking about. He's talking about Jesus as we, Jesus saying, Father, as we're one, would you make them one with us? Help them be all connected the way we're connected. Christianity is an invitation to be included into the eternal relationship of the Godhead. In Christ, we become included in the divine, eternal, loving, and faithful relationship that is God. There's a guy, a lot of people have written about this, there's a guy that I love this certain book. It's a little book, I recommend you getting it if you've never read it. A guy named Baxter Kruger wrote a book called The Great Dance. I, I mean, I highly recommend it. The Great Dance. Again, it's really small. Then, by Baxter Kruger. Let me leave you a quote from Baxter Kruger out of The Great Dance. I think he does such a good job of explaining this. He says it boils down to three things. He's talking about life and Christianity. He says, first, there is the Trinity and the great dance of life. He refers to the relationship that exists in the Trinity between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and that's extended out then, he describes it as it's the great dance. He can't come up with another better way. He's saying this love relationship of faithfulness and love, it's the great dance of all of, that, that's, that is the energy of, of the cosmos. He says it boils down to three things. First, there is the Trinity, and the great dance of life and glory and joy shared by the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He says, second... There is the incarnation. That's Jesus coming to us. Incarnate. Jesus coming in flesh. There is the incarnation as the act of the Father, Son, and Spirit reaching down and extending the circle. Their great dance of life to us. He says, that's what we're doing. God, God is he's basically, the Trinity is opening its arms to include us in their great dance. And I love this third part. He said, in third... There is our humanity, which is the theater in which the great dance is played out through the Spirit. And I love the way he describes this. Why get the book, because he goes into depth about this, about all the things you do daily, whether you know Christ or don't know Christ because you're made in the image of God, that, that you're somehow included in the great dance. Um, he says, um, that the, oh, sorry, third, there is our humanity, which is the theater, which is the great dance played out through us. That is what motherhood and fatherhood are all about. That is what fishing, and I'll say deer hunting, and baseball and playing are all about. And laughter and romance and cookouts and work. They are the very ways, the beauty of the Father, Son, and Spirit, the great dance of the triune God, the glory, the fellowship, the life are played out in us. That's what Christianity is all about. And the things we do, when you're an elbow or a knee or a finger, the things you do, 
are the are are you living out the reality of the play dance? In one place, I think I mentioned in a minute, he talks about when, he, when a grandma. What other explanation is he says? Is there when a grandma sees a granddaughter and is radiant? And I thought I know that I know that look. He says it's the great dance. It's the extension by the Spirit into our lives, so that what we do is the inclusion of the great dance. That relation, the relationship that the Trinity is, is extended to us in the incarnation. When Jesus came and became one of us, what did he do? He walked with mankind. He didn't sit up in ivory tower and shout theology to us. Jesus came and became one of us. And he walked with mankind and he slept with mankind and he ate with mankind and he worked as a carpenter with mankind. The relationship of the Trinity was extended to mankind. Mankind was included. The opportunity was made possible to be included in this great dance, this relationship of the Trinity. But it didn't end at Jesus' death, burial, and, and resurrection and ascension. It didn't end at the ascension. Because scripture says that now we are what? We looked at it for, for a couple of years in, in Ephesians. We are in Christ now. We are in Christ and with Christ by the indwelling Holy Spirit. And in how Baxter says it, he says, Our humanity is the theater in which the great dance is played out through the Spirit. Our relationships are the places where God's reality is experienced. It's the spirit in mankind that brings love and laughter and romance. It's the, it's the, it's the extension of the great dance. It's the spirit of God that makes a grandma smile when she sees her granddaughter. Hey, I've got to tell you something about that this morning. I'm, I'm hurt. Do a little aside this morning. Do a little therapy session. This morning. This morning. People who care. We're people who care, Right? I'm greeting people down by the, the, the check-in center. And Callie and Sam come in. Callie's, Sam's holding Callie. Callie had this cute little hat on with some kind of little animal. I forget what, a bear or something. And she puts her on the ground. And Suzanne's over here and I'm over here. And Callie starts running down the hall and I go, Callie! And Callie puts up her arms like this and she went, <laughs> as God is my witness, and people along were like, you just got bissed. And she went for grandma. I went like this, and she literally turned her back to me like this, like, don't touch me. And didn't she? Scooted sideways down the hall to grandma like this. I'm going, what in the world? You know? But here's the deal. <laughs> she was radiant. Callie was in heaven. Baxter says that's the extension. That's the reality of the great dance of the Trinity. It's all about relationship. Christianity, I'm going to have a bone to pick with that girl later. Christianity is God living in relationship with mankind and mankind in Christ living in relationship with God and each other. Now for these relationships to be what they are intended to be, loving, joy-giving, and fulfilling, then the parties in the relationships have to be faithful to one another. They must be dependable and loyal and stable over a long period of time. Otherwise, the relationships 
are harmful instead of hurtful. Without faithfulness, relationships bring pain instead of pleasure. The greatest pain you'll ever experience in your life is somebody who's supposed to be faithful to you being unfaithful. There's no pain worse than the pain of being betrayed by someone who is close to you, someone who is supposed to be faithful. So what God intends to be good, sin can make very bad. So the relationship that is modeled and extended by the Trinity is a relationship of faithfulness. That's what he models. That's why it's eternal. The Trinity, that's why we have to think of God as Trinity. Eternal relationship always has, always will be. If you look in your scriptures, in your Bibles, there's probably no description of God that is more, rep- more repeated than as God being faithful. Think of some of these. Deuteronomy 32, it says, Ascribe greatness to our God, the rock. His work is perfect, for all his ways are just. A God of faithfulness and without injustice. Righteous and upright is he. Psalm 25 Psalms say it over and over. Psalm 25 says, All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful towards those who keep the demands of his covenant. Psalm 33, For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all that he does. The Lord is, loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. Psalm 36, Your love, Lord, reaches to the heavens. Your faithfulness to the skies. See, God as Trinity is a relationship of faithfulness and God extends that faithfulness to us. We can always trust God. He will never fail us. And as we are included within the faithful relationship of the Trinity by being in Christ, then we extend faithful relationships to one another. Your faithfulness in your relationships, friends, get this, is an expression of the reality of your relationship with God. Your faithfulness to one another is an expression of the reality of God in your life. Because you're, you're reflecting, you're modeling who God really is. Faithful relationships. Faithful to the Trinity within each other. Extending it to us, being faithful to us so that we can be faithful to him and faithful to one another. So you and I can be faithful to God. Paul says that one of the character qualities that will grow within us as we live in relationship with the Spirit is this, faithfulness. Us becoming toward each other and towards God like God is toward us. So how's that happen? We spend time with him. So he rubs off on us. You and I will be faithful to God and others as God is always faithful to us. That's one of the great goals of Christianity so that our relationships are so different that the world looks at us and go, them poor few people are a little weird in a good way. They're faithful to one another. So guess what? You can be a tundra instead of a javelin. The javelin looks really nice. You put, that, you put that javelin next to my tundra, people go, man, that's a good-looking car. Good looks are skin deep. What's in the core? Faithfulness 
And that's the foundation for healthy relationships that we all are um, desired, that God desires for all of us to have. Relationships where we are blessed and we are a blessing. And it all starts with living in the reality of the love God extends to us in Jesus. And then it grows as we intentionally grow in Christ's likeness and expand it, open the circle for other people. That's God's plan for you and for Portview. And one of the keys is for us being faithful. You say, am I going to try real hard? You know, dream, dream a genie, boom, boom, blink, I'm faithful? No. You spend time with Jesus. You partner with the Holy Spirit. You put energy into saying, change me. Examine your narratives that you believe. Engage with the Spirit in activities that open you up to the activity and the nurturing and the, and the, the challenging of the Holy Spirit with a group of people who love you enough to, to support you and to challenge you. All relying on the Holy Spirit. That's how we change. That's how this stuff grows in us. You go, well, I just want to... Guess what? It doesn't work. Faithfulness is a fruit that grows as we spend time with the Holy Spirit, letting Him change us. Amen? Amen? So it all starts with living in the reality of the love God extends to us in Jesus. And then it grows as we initially or intentionally grow in Christ's likeness. So that brings us to two big questions. Number one, are you intentionally partnering with the Holy Spirit to grow in Christ's likeness? You know if you are. Are you actually in a part of, in, in your life is one of your goals to become more like Jesus? I mean, that you actually put energy and thought into it and some effort. Um, and number two, and yet you say it could be a reverse order, but a lot of us were in a boat, in a boat where we know Jesus already and we're saying, but am I trying to grow? Well, maybe some of you are here today and you never even got into the boat. That God's extending this love relationship. Remember, it's God, the Trinity, and he opens it up by sending Jesus into our world. He opened up the circle of relationship and he welcomes us all in. And Maybe you're here today and you've never said yes to Jesus. You've never said, I, I need you in my life. I, I understand I'm lost without you. God's the one who opened up the circle. And he invites us. What we've got to do is you've got to come in. How do you come in? You say yes to Jesus. You say, I need you in my life. I'm, I'm lost without you. And I, I need you to come in and, and, and forgive all the junk in my life. The Bible says he'll make you brand new on the inside. And you'll take all that garbage of your life. And the Bible says this, he'll throw it as far as the east is from the west. How far is these from the West? They never touch. That's what he wants to do with all the junk in your life. He wants to make you brand new and he wants to, you to feel, feel and experience his love. So let's pray together this morning. Lord Jesus, thank you for extending the great dance. Thank you that you just didn't sit up in heaven having this good thing going and say, you know what? Uh, I got it really good and those people got it really bad. Not for one second. You've, you are nothing but loving and giving. And you've extended this relationship to us. Lord, if we're stuck in here, we're kind of in here and all we think of a Christianity is I just, I just know some things. 
Would you break through that religious crust? That's maybe a good starting place, but it's not where we end up. And would you show us how what you want for us is to be in relationship with us? Would you open that up to us this morning? That we can that we can enter in. And Lord, some people in this place, very likely, it's very possible. They've never even said one time, I wanna, I wanna come to Jesus. You've never said in your heart that you know what? I'm lost without Jesus. And I want to come into relationship with him. But here's what I know based on scripture. That you can do that in any moment of your life. And it will change everything. So this morning as we're in prayer, our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. And maybe it applies to somebody, maybe it doesn't. But if you're here today, and you're saying, I want to say yes to Jesus. I want to welcome him into my life. And I want to, I want to I guess, be welcomed into his life the life of the Trinity. I want to give up my old life. And I want to be part of what God is doing. Something inside of you is saying this is for you today. And I want you to do something that's that's just between you, me, and God. Right now, starting over here on my left, I want you to, I'm going to go across sanctuary. I want you to look up at me you want to say yes Jesus, I want you to look me right in the eye I will not call you out I will not embarrass you say I want to say yes to Jesus today starting on this side on my left and going out to the center you say I'm going to say yes to Jesus today and all the way over to my right thank you Father thank you Lord Jesus that you love us that you say yes to us and that we can respond and say yes to you We pray now, God, that this is the kind of thing that's practical. Part of it is is the work of the Spirit. Part of us is partnering with what you're doing. And Lord, we're all in relationships, some closer to others. We have close relationships, we have extended relationships. In the closest relationships in our life, help us to learn to grow and to become faithful people. So that, Lord, this church is filled with great relationships that look different than the self-centered relationships of the world. So Lord, we invite you to do your work within us.